This episode brought to you by Cafe Imports, Minneapolis-based importers of fine specialty green coffees, independently owned and operated since 1993. Cafe Imports has been dedicated to decreasing its impact on the earth through renewable energy, carbon neutrality, and by supporting conservational efforts in places where quality coffee is grown and also where quality coffee is consumed. Where does your coffee come from? And sponsored by Uber Creative Agency, a boutique web design development and marketing agency based in Minneapolis, Minnesota, with clients across the U.S. We don't just provide services, we deliver value. Welcome to the Lake Superior Podcast. I'm Walt Lindela. And I'm Frida Wara. We are made stronger by story, and there's no better source than the continent's largest body of fresh water, Lake Superior. So join us as we highlight the five national parks that ring this greatest of the Great Lakes, meet the people, tour the places, and learn about the projects that make these parks and body of water so remarkable. This podcast made possible with the support of the National Parks of Lake Superior Foundation and Media Brew Communications. I'm Walt Lindela. And I'm Frida Wara. Welcome once again to the Lake Superior podcast today. Frida, something a little bit different on uh, the podcast, taking a look at Lake Superior from a very different angle. Well, you know, Walt, we love that lake. The big blue is everything. We see it every day. We appreciate so many aspects of it. But one of the things is we don't really look at the formation or the rocks. Mm -hmm. I think I think we do look at the rocks, certainly when you're walking around Presque Isle or you're at Pictured Rocks or the Apostles all over, you know that the rocks change, they look different, but we need someone to tell us what we're looking at. <laughs> and that is who we are going to talk to today. It's Professor Seth Stein with Earth and Planetary Sciences at Northwestern University, also with the Institute for Policy Research. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. We are actually really looking forward to this, about the geology of the lake and a little bit about it. But let's talk a little bit about what got you interested in it. Tell us a little bit, perhaps from the standpoint that was this some some research, some recreation? What made you first look at studying the geology of the big lake? Well, I 42 years ago, I joined the faculty at Northwestern. And I'd spent time uh, in college in the White Mountains in New Hampshire and then in Graduate school, I spent a lot of time in the San Gabriel Mountains and the uh, Sierra Nevadas in California. And uh, I had heard that the most interesting hiking uh, would be, uh, in particular, Porcupine Mountains uh, mm-hmm. State Park along the uh, Lake Superior Coast. So I drove up and was very impressed with the place. And uh, over the years, I and later my wife also started going up to the Lake Superior area for uh, hiking, Porcupine Mountains, paddling in the Apostles, uh, hiking hiking in, at Pictured Rocks, and various other things. And then when we would go up to the Boundary Waters Canoe area, we would drive along Minnesota's North Shore, and we're very impressed with that. So, you know, I was interested in this. I, I you know, knew vaguely what was going on geologically, but at the time I had a lot of other things on my mind. Then about, uh, well, maybe roughly about uh, 15 years ago, I was involved with starting this major national effort by the National Science Foundation to support a big, huge research program called EarthScope about the evolution of North America. And as part of that effort, I and a group of others uh, started studies of the major structure that underlies Lake Superior, which and makes everything that we see there, and it's called the Mid-Continent Rift. It's this giant structure. 
so the the recreational interest grew into uh, scientific interests. And I remember on like canoe trips and, or kayak trips and the apostles sitting on the beach and drawing, you know, little things in the sand to show the people around on the trip what was going on. And this turned into a bigger and bigger enterprise. And over the last roughly decade, we've been doing a major research program to learn more about the area. And that is basically, you're looking at the Mid-Continent Rift. Explain a little bit more about that for us. Well, we know that we know that the way the process that makes Earth work is called plate tectonics, where the outer shell of the Earth pieces of it move around relative to each other. So, for example, right now the Mid Atlantic Ridge running down the middle of the Atlantic is separating Europe from North America and Africa from uh, South America. Well, we know geologically that the way this happens is that continents break up. So, for example, the East African Rift is splitting Africa in two. That's what gives us the huge Rift Valley and the great, the great Lakes we see in Africa and so on. Now, this has been going on for more than a billion years. Continents split apart and they move apart. New oceans form between them. Eventually, continents collide like it's happening in the Himalayas. So this dance of the continents goes on. Well, about a billion years ago, North America started to split. And that's along a about 2,000-mile-long kind of a structure. If you look at a map, it kind of looks like a U, with the top of the U being Lake Superior, one arm going down pretty much to Alabama, you know, through, through Michigan down all the way to Ohio down to Alabama. The other arm, the west arm going down through Wisconsin and then uh, you know, Minnesota, then Wisconsin, then uh, pretty much all the way down to Oklahoma. So the continents start to split apart, but when continents split apart, some parts succeed in splitting and others don't. The parts that are left over are called failed rifts. We have a number of these in North America. And the biggest is the mid-continent rift, of which Lake Superior sits on part of it. So with that, what does that mean? I mean, when we hear this continent, mid-continent rifting, you talk about that this was, I overheard you say that continents split apart. Now, this has not obviously happened, at least at this point yet. Is there a reason why or thoughts on why this part did not break apart, like you mentioned, with other continents? Well, usually what happens when a continent starts splitting, a bunch of rifts form, some of those succeed and become a new ocean. Mm-hmm. And the ones that are left behind don't. So part of so the other areas to the east of the Mid-Continent Rift, part of that became a, became a new plate. But the Mid-Continent Rift part, the part that survives in the central U.S., is the part that didn't go all the way to full sea force spreading. It didn't form a new ocean. So it looks like we don't know why some parts succeed and others don't. So you're not really able to, to determine that, especially with uh, as no, time. No, we can't even yeah. really tell it today. You know, we, we you know this is this is a billion years ago, so we know a bit less about things a billion years ago than we do now. But it seems to be part of the process. So all the continents have lots of these failed rifts in them, pieces that didn't go all the way to forming a new ocean. Now, when we look at Lake Superior, we look at some of the shoreline areas and in the Keweenaw and along pictured rocks and even toward the Apostles, we see sort of the top side of it. We see what it's like, but Tell us a bit about how different the landscape is when you look under the water. It's not so much different underwater, what you're, but what you, the way to think about it is not so much top side and bottom side, but to think about it as how would a geologist look at this. Mm-hmm. And, and perhaps the most important thing to understand is that geology doesn't respect bureaucratic boundaries. <laughs> so, you know, the government has said this part is Isle Royal National Park, 
and that one is Apostles National Lakeshore, and that part is Pictured Rocks, and the state of Michigan has said that part is Porcupine Mountains, and so, you know, Keweenaw County has some of these parks. But geologically, they're all part of the same system, mm-hmm. okay? They're all re- completely related animals. They're all part of the same thing, and what we're seeing is just different parts of a huge rift system. So a way to think about it is this. When, when a rift starts to form, it fills with volcanic rocks. This black stuff you see. Mm-hmm. So this is why we use the, the, the geology around Lake Superior looks so different from the rest of the Midwest, because this is the place where we see the volcanic rocks of the Mid-Continent Rift. We see them beautifully on the Keweenaw, or on Isle Royal, or at Porcupine Mountains, or along the Minnesota coast. So those are about 1.1 billion years old volcanic rocks that came out, you know, there's miles and miles of this stuff. Then we see the sediments. So this, these form like a rift, a big bowl, or actually a long dish, a long trough is probably a better way to think about it. That's filled originally with volcanic rocks, the black basalt that we see in places like Houghton or uh, Duluth, places like that. Mm-hmm. Then inside that basin, we have sediment that pours into it as, that, this, as this big hole fills, first with volcanic rocks, then with sediment from shed by the hills around either side of it. The sediment that's deposited as we go, then some sediment is deposited in there. Eventually this rift stops and stuff is deposited right on top of that. That's what we call, we'll call the Jacobsville sandstone if you're in Michigan or the Bayfield sandstone if you're in uh, Michigan, in Wisconsin. Sure, yes. And uh, that is the stuff that makes up the apostles. And the next stuff above that, younger about 600 million years old, uh, is the stuff that makes up uh, pictured rocks. Okay. So we're seeing three different kinds of rocks deposited at three different times, all part of the same large-scale evolutionary system. And the copper deposits, which are mostly in the, uh, in the rift rocks, which we see in the copper mining areas, are, again, part of the same system. So we're seeing one big thing. You're just seeing different parts of it. And what an array. You've given us all five of our parks and why they are. You know, they do look very similar in some respects because we do see these huge rocks. But what a great, that's the first time I've ever had anyone explain it to me, why pictured rocks does look different than the apostles. A couple of ways to think about this. First, we can start at, we'll start at the bottom. It's usually easier in geology to start at the oldest and go forward. Um, okay, so... Isle Royal, the thing that Isle Royal looks just like is Porcupine Mountains at Keweenaw. They're the same thing. There's this big trough, okay? So in Isle Royal, the rocks dip. The beds dip into the, into the water. They dip south. And the other limb of the same trough is in Porcupine Mountains, and the rocks dip to the north or up in the Keweenaw. Okay. So those are all the same thing. Then... You know, we'll, then we have the the the, uh, the next stuff. Uh, you know, maybe younger, maybe nine hundred million years old. The rift is about one point one billion years old. By the way, this is long, long, long before any dinosaurs or anything. Yes. The time the rock, the time the rift is formed, there's no there's no life on Earth. So, as we say, it looks a lot like the East African rift. If you go to if you look at pictures of Kenya or something, but no elephants. No giraffes, no right, nothing, right, no grass, right. no, no trees even, no grass. Then we have the younger sediments. So it's all part of some huge system. 
And the lake is there because when the glaciers came through, the softer sediments in the, in the middle of the rift were easier for the glacier to push through than the, than the volcanic rocks. So the lake, the orientation of Lake Superior is controlled entirely by the rocks that the glaciers had to push through. This is really interesting. Uh, this Today on the podcast, we're talking with Professor Seth Stein. He's with Earth and Planetary Sciences and the Institute for Policy Research at Northwestern University. You're talking about this in a way of giving us an understanding of why the lake is and how it is. And when you look at the areas that are uh, you know, politically, as you say, defined as certain parks, national parks and state parks, are there particular highlights maybe that people can look for that maybe give you an idea of this? You touched on like the apostles being some of the, the sandstone deposits, and then you talk about basalt and the Keweenaw and that. What are maybe some highlights to look for? Sure. Well, let's start with, let's again start at the bottom. So in, 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 uh, in Isle Royale, or for that matter, Porcupine Mountains, you're seeing the, the, the volcanic rocks themselves. These come in huge lava flows. So, for example... The biggest lava flow of the bunch is called the Greenstone Flow. That makes up the Greenstone Ridge that runs the length of Isle Royal. That's the spine of the island. So if you walk the Greenstone Trail, you're walking along the crest of it, mm-hmm. of the island. That's, a huge, that's the biggest single basalt flow there. Wow. What's interesting that you can see is the following, and those flows are all dipping. They're like a stack of cards going down to the south. So if you're on Isle Royal, hiking up the south slopes is easy. And the north slopes are really steep, okay. because in one you're going along the layer, and in the other one you're going between the layers. Sure. As any so kayaker, that's the first thing to do is you'll see that, and then when you even better if you come in on the seaplane, or if you look down from the Greenstone Ridge, you'll actually see these long flows, and a lot of times there'll be water between them. So, you, uh, so if you look at Isle Royal, it's, so a lot of times it looks like a set of fingers pointing northwest. Mm-hmm. Yes. Those are the flows. The, those are the flows, and then the water has eroded between some of the flows. So that's Isle Royal. Obviously, you'll see exactly the same thing on land if you don't want to pay for the boat um, you, at uh, Porcupine Mountains. Sure. You, they're, they're all dipping the other way. That's the other side. So those long dips are to the north. So that's, the, that's kind of the, the, the geology there is interesting. Now, when you get to Keweenaw, what you're seeing is you're seeing a way of thinking about the mining of the copper. The, most of the copper is in the flows in the basalt flows. A hot water goes through, goes through those flows. It dissolves out some of the copper and redeposits it. Mm-hmm. So, with it, so when you're mining, the mining is almost exclusively in the, uh, in the rocks of the mid-continent rift. You know, the joke, my, you know, you, you, you need to think about, well, why would people go all the way to the Keweenaw to mine copper? Why not just mine it in Chicago or someplace that's more convenient? The answer is, well, of course, because the uh, copper exists, can be found in these huge concentrations in the Keweenaw, in Isle Royale, anywhere you have the volcanic rocks. Right. So that's the, the highlight there is that all the cultural stuff, all the mining there is completely controlled by the location of the rift. Of course. Then you go to Apostles. Apostles is the first, is the rock unit that's deposited after the rift stops forming. So, in other words, instead of the rocks having these big dips in the Apostles, when you look at the rocks, they're essentially flat-lying because they're deposited after all this vertical stuff happened 
And then the stuff you'll see in pictured rocks is the next level up. It has a different color. The apostles make that are part of this uh, Jacobsville sandstone, that very strong rock that was used heavily in building stone all, all over the UP. And in fact, or Wisconsin, a lot of in fact was exported to other areas like Chicago. So the brownstone building rocks, those are, that you'll see, that's the same stuff that you see in the cliffs and apostles. Mm-hmm. Pictured rocks, you see softer, more easily eroded, younger, and prettier colored um, stuff that makes up the beautiful pictures. Mm-hmm. But yet it's also that North Shore is a cliff. Yeah. At the Sure, it's a cliff, but it's not, it's, it's a, but you notice it's collapsing. They have these problems. They're always telling you don't go to the edge, blah, right. blah, blah. It's because it's a much, much weaker rock than, let's say, the analogous cliffs, either on Isle Royal or Porcupine Mountains, or up and down the, all the whole Minnesota coast, all the way up to Grand Marais is, uh, uh, Grand Portage, what was it? Yeah, Grand Portage. Um, is, uh, you know, is, is, are those are volcanic cliffs, those big black things mm-hmm. that you see at places like, um, Tetaguch or any of, any of those parts, Gooseberry Falls and so on. So what I'm what I'm hearing here from you, uh, Professor, is that you know with the research that you've been doing and looking at this, the lake and the surrounding areas have given you multiple different things to look at, which must really uh, it, it, it increases the educational value of it. Having this component to be able to show your students to do your research on, but is there perhaps maybe a favorite park or a favorite area that you like to look at in particular? Well, I think. From my standpoint, you know, scientifically, the volcanic rocks are the most interesting. So mm-hmm. Isle Royale, Porcupine Mountains, just about anywhere on the Keweenaw, you know, the beautiful views up at uh, Eagle Harbor, Copper Harbor, places like that, you know, because that's the underlying, that's where everything starts. Everything results from that. Everything else are consequences of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the other parts, too. I like, my, you know. Pictured Rocks is sort of my one of my favorite backpacking spots in the Midwest. I love paddling in the Apostles and seeing the caves and so on. But ultimately, it all comes, the, the root of everything, the oldest part, the driver that makes this all so different from everywhere else, are the igneous rocks, the volcanic rocks that you see, uh, Isle Royale, Keweenaw, Porcupine Mountains, places like that. And, and there's a word that we use for this kind of thing in, that the people are starting to promote now in the geology community, and it's called geoheritage. And the idea is that we should think about how the geology, the rocks, I don't know, shape the uh, shape the effects on people. So you know, here we have the Midcontinent Rift, which gives us the copper. It gives us the lake itself, the orientation of the lake. That in turn gives us the water transportation and the water recreation. So you know, the idea is that in many parts of the world, and this is one of the best places to see it. The, the geology is influencing uh, development of, you know, our, our society and the way we live and how people have lived. And, of course, this goes all the way back to the, the native peoples, you know, who, uh, the native people mined copper long before the Europeans discovered it. And, uh, of course, they used the lake to get around. So, in a sense, Grand Portage is a good way to look at the, the history of water transport on the lake. You know, they show you how they would build these big canoes and so on. I have to try to think how to word this question, but I love that Lake Superior is an east-west orientation. It is only 60 miles from Munising to Escanaba, and Escanaba, or or even just in Fayette there, being 
on the north shore of Lake Michigan. Lake Michigan is a north-south orientation, and the shoreline is so different, yet it's only 60 miles from the shore, the southern shore of Lake Superior, to the northern shore of Lake Michigan. Well, here's the way to th- one way to answer the question is this. That to make an obvious statement that any geologist say, a billion years is a long time. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... What the world, the, you know, geology didn't end in the mid-continent in the central U.S. with the mid-continent rift. What's stacked above the mid-continent rift in a lot of, especially in Michigan or, for that matter, eastern Wisconsin, you know, the east of the UP, are something. Parts of the eastern part of the UP are something called the Michigan Basin. This huge basin deposit, and that's on top of it, younger. Okay. One that's kind of like if you were to look at a geologic map that looks kind of like a bullseye. Lake Michigan is there because it's one of, you know, there was a similar sort of thing. One, some of the set of the rock layers going into the Michigan Basin, which because it's a circle, like a bullseye centered on the lower peninsula, it's round. So Lake Michigan is more or less tracking one of those units. Okay. Again, so the glaciers excavated that part. Sure. Um, and in fact, so if you ever hear of something like the Niagara Escarpment, it's the rock layers that form, uh, Niagara Falls, but we'll all, you can also see those in, in Wisconsin, for example. You can see them in the eastern part, the very easternmost part of the UP, and of course you can see them in the Lower Peninsula. We're talking with Professor Seth Stein today on the Lake Superior podcast about the geology of Lake Superior and uh, the areas that are the national parks. He is uh, Earth and Planetary Sciences Professor and also with the Institute for Policy Research at Northwestern University. Uh, can you tell us perhaps maybe some resources, some places to check to maybe find out some more about this, the Mid-Continent Rift, Lake Superior, all of these things we're talking about because I'm sure there's people that have questions and you must have some uh, access or some direction maybe to point them? Sure. Well, the place I would start simply because it's the most easily accessible is my co-worker in this project, who's my wife, Carol, from the University of Illinois, Chicago. And I made a video, which is on YouTube, called uh, Lake Superior, Mid-Continent Rift, Lake Superior in the Mid-Continent Rift, The Billion Year Story. Mm-hmm. We tried to condense this into about 12 minutes with a lot of good photography uh, done for us by uh, students from our journalism school. It's probably where I'd start, because you can just get that on your computer. Mm-hmm. Two other, uh, we've written a bunch of things, and they're available on my website. Two really good books, or actually three. Uh, there's a very nice book called Roadside Geology of Wisconsin. There's a similar very good book called Roadside Geology of Minnesota, and those books are written for people, you know, that are just interested but in the background. And then there's a new book, popular book on the geology of Michigan. It's called Great Lakes Rocks, and that's a very nice analogous sort of book the popular geology of Michigan. All three of those books are very good. And then we put together something for the National Park Service. Uh, there they have a thing called Park Science that talks about the science of the parks. We put together a piece which is more or less the script of our video. You can get that online from them or from us. As we wrap up here with you, uh, Seth, if you have anything that you'd like to add for folks that are, are curious about this, maybe you want to direct them a bit more to your, your sites and your where the info is, feel free. What have you got? Yeah, sure. If you, my name is, uh, if you just go on my homepage, uh, there's a whole section of our research. So you can, you can look at our videos from there. You can, we have a whole bunch of newspaper articles and general audience articles about that. And, uh, as I said, if you want to start somewhere for written stuff, either the three books I gave you or the piece that we wrote for Park, Park Science, uh, are, are good places to start. There's lots of other stuff out there. 
I think more than anything else, what I'd like to do is encourage people to... Geologists are taught, you know, from the beginning of their education that what we see on the Earth's surface of the structures and the landforms we see are all there for a reason. They're not just sort of there. Mm-hmm. Okay? They're, everything is there for a darn good reason, and um, sometimes you have to think about it for a while to figure out what they are or read up on it. But the whole idea is that, you know, what we see around the lake are all connected to each other. They're all related to each other, and you want to think about that way. So, you know, you just, just get in this habit of thinking about, hey, I wonder why. You know, the best geology questions are always, I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, that makes perfectly good sense. That's a good piece of advice there. Just kind of look at it as a whole and start asking questions because that's where it's going to get better. You know, Seth, this has been a, a, a good chat with you today. We really appreciate your time today because I think that you've tapped into some things that many of us have maybe had questions about or we wonder why does it look like this or why is it different over here yet it's all on the same lake and in the same region. And you've certainly given us some good info. Well, it's my, pl- it's my pleasure, and I'd uh, encourage people to pursue it. Oh, another one thing I wanted to add, another very good source is uh, Michigan Tech has a very nice website. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably, I've I got the name, but if you, if you Google Keweenaw Geology, you'll find it. Uh, Bill Rose and Erica Vai and their colleagues at Michigan Tech have put together a very nice site specifically about the Keweenaw. Uh, very much worth uh, taking advantage of. Professor Seth Stein with us today. He's with Northwestern University, Earth and Planetary Sciences, and the Institute for Policy Research. This has been a pleasure, Seth. Thank you. It's been my pleasure, and uh, good luck with it. That's Professor Seth Stein, who is with Earth and Planetary Sciences and the Institute for Policy Research at Northwestern University. And Frida, you know, it's been interesting talking with him today about this. There's a lot to this lake that we just think of with just the water right? But he's explained to us why the water is here, why it's laid out, how it is, and how it's over at Isle Royal. It's one way. Pictured rocks is another. And, and, you know, this has just been some good info, just some good overall understanding. Bottom line for me? Yeah? Lake Superior rocks. (laughs) (laughs) You've been waiting this whole podcast to do that one. Well, that's going to do it for us this time around here. And, of course, uh, if you have any ideas, any thoughts on perhaps a podcast, uh, you can find us through the National Parks of Lake Superior Foundation website. Get a hold of them. And uh, we will be keeping you updated with uh, new ones through the course of the next season or so. And uh, hopefully uh, you'll be able to keep following us here on the Lake Superior podcast. I'm Walt Lindela. I'm Frida Wara. Thanks for listening. The National Parks of Lake Superior Foundation, NPLSF, is the only official nonprofit 501c3 fundraising partner of the National Park Service for all five U.S. National Park sites on Lake Superior. To learn more about NPLSF projects and programs, you can visit the website at nplsf.org or friend them on Facebook. I'm Frida Wara. And I'm Walt Lindela. Thanks for listening to the Lake Superior Podcast. This podcast made possible with the support of the National Parks of Lake Superior Foundation and Media Brew Communications. This episode brought to you by Cafe Imports, Minneapolis-based importers of fine specialty green coffees, independently owned and operated since 1993. Cafe Imports has been dedicated to decreasing its impact on the earth through renewable energy, carbon neutrality, and by supporting conservational efforts in places where quality coffee is grown and also where quality coffee is consumed. Where does your coffee come from? 
and sponsored by Uber Creative Agency, a boutique web design development and marketing agency based in Minneapolis, Minnesota, with clients across the U.S. We don't just provide services, we deliver value.